1: Normal science.
2: Happy Sunday night, everybody, and welcome to Paranormal Science. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mark Kyes. And I'm Stan Zirk. And uh, in case anybody's interested in uh, meteor showers, we are in the midst of a period of... uh Meteor showers over the next uh, few nights. I think the 11th is Um, the peak. I'm going to have to go out and watch tonight. Yeah, uh, Lauren and I, over the last uh, about week or so, have been going out um, every few nights and keeping our eyes on the sky. And uh, we were out last night and saw quite a few, and... Jeez, it was probably three or four days ago before that, and saw uh, quite, quite a few. You've got a great well.
1: location up there, though. It's dark. Yes, yes. too much
2: light pollution where I'm at. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> tough the closer to the city you are, but uh, I live out there in the country, and uh, it's nice and dark, but, uh, boy, we've had some beautiful skies. So if you're into shooting stars, meteor showers, get out there and, and take a look. We've been going out about 10 o'clock at night and having, you know, uh, a few meteors every couple minutes. Not bad, but the 11th is supposed to be the peak. I'll have to check that out. Well, Stan, you and I had the opportunity to uh, get out and, and do a little bit of uh, fundraising to help hey, yes, uh, a couple did. of good causes. You and I were out at uh, the uh, Summer Mystic Fair up in Clark Summit, sponsored by Goddess Creations uh, to benefit the Lackawanna County Women's Resource Center, and that went very well. And, oh, it was great. Uh, it was a, what a nice a nice little park, a ni- perfect day, everything was good. Yeah. A little bit hot that day, but we had a nice tent, in so the we, shed, we in did the shade, okay. We're okay, yeah. And uh, last week, you guys, you, Joe, uh, was Ed and Kelly there, I believe. We did a benefit bingo for Lolly's,
1: uh, Lila's Lollies, and that went rather well. Joe was calling the numbers, and uh, the rest
2: of us were just collecting cards and serving food. Yeah, that's a tough situation for uh, this little girl who has upwards of uh, 30 seizures a day and mm-hmm. three surgeries, and she's still. Yes, still being treated, and tough, tough uh, situation for that little girl. So everything we can do to help out, we try to to help them out. And uh, they'll be at the East Coast Paracon, I believe, again this year. Selling their lollipops. Yeah, Yeah. great lollipops. Indeed. Well, um, we had uh, tonight's guest on the show um, several months ago and uh, he's great, he's, uh, his name is uh, psychic medium William Stillman, and uh, he's the internationally known award-winning author of Autism and the God Connection book trilogy, and that explores the aspects of spiritual giftedness in many people with autism, and it's, it's a really cool uh, collection of books, and And I've often said this, even uh, with you know, people who have autism or schizophrenia, that they do have uh, a special connection sometimes, and. You know, uh, they have to be looked at uh, as being opened as Mm -hmm. well as having some psychiatric issues. Uh, They often go hand in hand there. So um, it's a really cool um, trilogy that he wrote there, but he's got a new book out. And uh, this is something that has uh, very quickly become a resource for uh, the PPA, the work that we do. And it's called Under Spiritual Siege, How Ghosts and Demons Affect Us and How to Combat Them. And uh, it's a great book, and we're gonna talk to uh, William in, in just a minute about the book, but um, I had the opportunity to read it, and uh, it's a, a phenomenal book, and, and that's why we've decided to use that as one of our resources for clients. And uh, I'll, I'll let him explain a little bit more about the book, but uh, it's uh, you know something that uh, can, can be very helpful to uh, our clients for understanding, I think, what they went through uh, in a different way, and giving them some support afterwards after we do an investigation a resolution for those people so um bill works out of uh the alta view wellness center in the harrisburg area and we have him right here tonight by phone hi william welcome william
3: hi mark hi stan Um, i'm delighted to be back on your program and looking forward to having an interesting conversation
2: And uh, William, you know, I'm so glad that uh, you came back on the show. And uh, this is a book that I I absolutely love, uh, as I just commented, that um, I liked it so much that uh, I've decided to use it as a resource for our team. And uh, it's very easy to read. It, It explains eloquently what people go through, sometimes how they get themselves in their own mess, kind of how to changed your life to do it, and we'll let you, um, you know, explain a little bit more, but um, first, uh, for the listeners who hadn't heard of you before, uh, can you give us just a little bit of your background? When did you um, become aware that you were spiritually gifted, and, and at uh, what point did you decide that you were going to use that professionally to help people?
3: Well, first of all, let me say thank you. I'm, I'm humbled and flattered by your very uh, gracious and generous comments about the book. You're welcome. I think that we are all spiritually gifted, and uh, the the neat thing about being human is that it's going to manifest differently in you than it does in me because it's being filtered through a channel that is uniquely Mark or uniquely Stan um, instead of Bill, and so uh, our spiritual giftedness is as individualized and unique as our DNA makeup. So let me state that. Um, I am nothing and no one special. Um, In fact, I actually didn't um, begin to do work as a psychic medium professionally until I was um, in my early 40s, um, and I'm well into my 50s now. And so um, I'm living proof that um, it is never too late to begin to explore that aspect of your personhood, although as a very young child, I had a number of um, highly unusual things happen to me, and um, some of it wasn't very nice, quite quite frankly. And um, I, I think a lot of that became quite blocked up for, for a very long time. But um, once I made the commitment to reclaim the sensitivity that I know I experienced as a child, it all came flooding back very quickly, and I made up for decades in about three months' time. And that's when I began to do the psychic work.
2: And one thing that I would like to add, um, you're not somebody who who just uh, wrote the book off of, um, you know, what uh, you had heard or read from other people. You actually went through a very dark time of your life and lived a lot of the things that you are writing about and were able to pull yourself out of that, correct?
3: That is correct, yes. Um, And I can certainly expand upon that if you wish. But um, I, I wanted to write a book that would be a very fundamental primer or guidebook for people who are maybe susceptible to a lot of misguided uh, or faulty information that they're gleaning from horror films or from YouTube videos or from very sensationalized television programming that is actually feeding or exacerbating uh, the situation that they're in and making it worse. So I wanted to lay that out for them and to explain what it is, and then to empower them with the authority so that there is um, less of a dependency upon calling in the ghostbusters, as it were, as opposed to really taking responsibility and taking charge uh, for, for the situation that they're encountering.
2: Yeah, and that's one thing that I often talk about with a lot of people, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, they ultimately have control over their destiny, and quite often, I think, feel that they need someone outside of themselves to come in and rescue them from a ghost or, uh, you know, a negative entity or whatever they think they may have there, Um, when... Uh, they, they, they don't realize all they need is, is some tools and quite often life changes. But that's one of the reasons I really like the book is because a lot of our clients, when they call, they do have either themselves or other family members in the house that are going through a really difficult time and and dipped into some some dark areas of their lives and have often connected with some, um, you know, lower vibrational entities, if you will, earthbound spirits or, or something negative, And now they don't know what to do with it. And, um, let me, let me ask this. Uh, we, when we get a request for help, um, often we can get to some people fairly quickly, but other times it may be several months before we can get there for those people who may be waiting for help. Um, they often ask, what can I do prior to you coming while I'm waiting. Are there anything, uh, any practices or visualizations or or life changes um, that people could get into to maybe um, ease their situation a little bit?
3: Well, I think what I could recommend is the beginnings of a... An analysis or an assessment process, the first thing that I would recommend to those folks is under no circumstances should you take it upon yourself to attempt to engage with whatever it is that you believe you're experiencing. Um, I have encountered too many people who are trying to do their own investigation and they're calling out or they're confronting or they're trying to uh, record either on audio or video this phenomena. And uh, honestly, they're the last people that should be doing that because they're right in the epicenter of all of the activity. And my concern is um, a lot of times, particularly when we're talking about not a haunting by a ghost, but demonic activity, there's a lot of mental health issues that come to bear oftentimes in situations like that. Um, When I have gone into investigate what I have determined to be a demonic activity type situation, there has always, always been um, addiction or abuse in the household. And so I think that, um, number one, don't attempt to engage with anything. Number two, really begin to take a careful assessment of your lifestyle and that of the other people that live in the household. Um, Because it's like a dog that chases its tail. One thing feeds directly into the other. And these negative energies, you know, the ghosts we can deal with because they, They're more egocentric and they sort of have their own agenda of, you know, they they either want help or they want to be left alone and they're trying to drive people out. And, you know, they're making a lot of noise. And because they have been human, you can rationalize with them oftentimes but the 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 demons are they're another animal totally and um they they're oftentimes very vicious very cunning and deceptive very duplicitous they will masquerade as something they are not and so sometimes people believe that they're they're interacting with their deceased father or, you know, the little girl that died in that house years ago when, in fact, it is, a you know, a demon. And uh, the demons want to cause people to become undone. They want to... Create um, upset and distress, and they thrive upon chaos and anxiety. So, if there is addiction in the household, whether it's nicotine, alcohol, marijuana, uh, pornography, gambling, um, binge eating, um, they will try to escalate that. Um, Ultimately, what they want is to set the stage for. A murder suicide type of situation to occur. And so I think that, you know, even just that very basic knowledge is going to help people to be conscious and aware of what it is they're up against.
2: All right. And uh, I have a few follow up questions to that, but we're up against a commercial. So we're going to take our first commercial break and ask you to hold on. You're listening to WILK's Paranormal Science. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Mark Hayes from Paranormal Science. Did you ever get that feeling like you have a thousand demons tearing at your back? You know the pain. Are you uncomfortable in your own body, like you're possessed with somebody else's torment and suffering? You don't need an exorcist. You need chiropractics. Dedicated to providing the best chiropractic and rehabilitative care possible, chiropractics will get you back into the body you remember. Chiropractics, 569 Pier Street, Kingston, PA. Check them out on the web. Get chiropractics.com, T I X on the end, or call 570 288 5800 and get back to living.
4: Well, hi there, it's Elmer here. East Coast Paracon is only 47 days away. Stan and Ock asked me to remind you of that. Don't know why they can't do that themselves. So here goes. The East Coast Paracon will be at the Marketplace of Steamtown. That's in Scranton, September 24th. Starts when the mile opens and ends when they close. If you need more info, go to www.eastcoastparacon.com. That's a long one almost forgot, those guys knock $2 off the ticket price if you buy them on the website. Talk to you soon.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WILK. Tonight we're talking with psychic William Stillman about his new book, Under Spiritual Siege, How Ghosts and Demons Affect Us and How to Combat Them. William, welcome back to the show
3: thank you. good to be here
2: now just before the break, we were speaking a little bit about uh, how how demons ultimately want to try uh, a murder suicide uh, type of scenario with their their victims that they latch onto and uh, y- you know it's it's interesting that you say that because uh, you know when when we're talking with a lot of people um, you know, a lot of people, when we talk about ghosts, are afraid that uh, they're going to get killed. I think that's one of the, mm-hmm. the top things, or their other kids are going to be harmed. And, and uh, you know, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think anybody's been physically murdered by a ghost, but this is one of the things we often say. They can sort of manipulate your emotions and take you a deep, dark place that can often lead to suicidal and homicidal thoughts, and, and you seem to be backing that up.
3: More so with the um, demonic activity as opposed to the the ghost. Yeah, that's, um, that's
2: I, what I, I was referring to.
3: Oh, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the ghost, uh, I mean, I have seen people actually be, uh, I'm sorry, demons. I've actually seen people bitten, um, oftentimes when they're scratched. Uh, they're scratched in uh, uh, consecutive uh Uh, strikes of three to to mock the Holy Trinity. Um, So, you know, there is a lot of harm. Uh, Probably the the most insidious thing that demons will do is they will um, communicate telepathically to um, impress within very vulnerable people um, harmful thoughts. So it would be a voice that you would hear other than the voice that you would use to talk yourself through something, um, telling you very uh, deprecating, negative, harmful thoughts. Um, If you do the research and you look at people who have, um, for example, killed their own children or uh, teenagers who have wiped out their entire family, Oftentimes, they will say I heard voices telling me to do it or I've been hearing these voices for a long time and it escalated to this point.
1: Bill, when you, earlier you said that a demon can imitate a loved one, a father, a mother, grandmother, a small girl. And uh, how do you know in the beginning whether it's a demon or a spirit? And at what point, like, once they seem to draw you in, do you uh, do you know, like, do you know what's happening? Do you realize it, or do they just keep taking it in deeper, and by the time you do realize it, it's too late?
3: Well, I don't know that I am aware of a situation where a ghost has been able to present itself as another form other than mirroring the person he or she had been. Uh, The thing about the demons is because they are imperfect and inauthentic, they may attempt to replicate or masquerade as a loved one that we have known, but they will always get something wrong there will always be something off about the presentation. They will get the eye color of the person wrong. Um, they will get uh, the, the clothing wrong. They'll get the gait of the person wrong. They might get the voice wrong or say something that you know that person would never say. Um, so in my opinion, it's, you know, it's, it's not that challenging to, to trip them up on that respect.
2: Now, that kind of answers uh, a question that I was going to ask. Um, if someone moves into a house and uh, they they see uh, an apparition, maybe that uh, they, they don't know who it is. It's not connected to them in any way. Um, is there a way to tell a difference uh, initially for the, the novice person uh, between a ghost and a demon? Uh, because... You know, as an example, we've gone into some homes where there's been some very, very violent activity caused by human-based spirits that would definitely look like a demonic presence was there, but uh, it was just a really nasty human, you know, in ghost form. But is is there any kind of way to, to tell the difference there just by a, like a novice person trying to figure it out?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's really interesting is that a lot of times uh, the children in the household are the most deeply affected because they are so sensitive and so vulnerable and um In every situation where there has been um, a demonic activity that I have investigated where there have been children involved and the children have witnessed something, they all report red eyes, seeing some figure with red eyes. Um, There also tends to be um, just a very overwhelming, heavy feeling of evil, in the atmosphere, in the in, in the environment, um, oftentimes accompanied by a very noxious odor or very unpleasant odor that you would associate with um sewage or death or dying so those are you know a couple of the symptoms um and there are more of course in the book um and i've you know certainly had had my run-ins with uh something that tried to recruit me um as a very young person so um in hindsight, I'm actually grateful that that happened because it allows me to recognize what it is that I'm dealing with.
2: Now, now um, you mentioned some some um, factors in our lives that would attract uh, demons, negative entities towards this or, or towards us. Um, I, I'm kind of wondering, are there Locations that demons could inhabit that may have been pulled there by other people that remain there after those people leave, let's say it's a home and, uh, you know, the first family leaves, the second family moves in. You, can a place be sort of uh, inhabited by a demon or is that more with a person than a location or could it be both?
3: Well, I think it's an interesting question. And I certainly, you know, as you're asking the question, I'm thinking about the Amityville Horror House. <laughs> hmm. And I'm thinking about, you know, the the alleged uh, demonic activity that occurs occurred there, and how that seemed um, very strongly connected to um, Ronald DeFeo and uh, his downward spiral and the tragedy that occurred there, and then how that, that negative energy seemed to linger there. So I think it is entirely possible, um, particularly if there was uh, abuse and or addiction um, in that household. I mean, have you found that to be true in your investigations?
2: uh, Yeah, I think especially where you have a location where people are focusing on that, that's the intent to try to connect with them, and it it becomes like, let's say there's a satanic altar, and uh, we've had a home like that before where uh, a man was married to a woman whose um, daughter and and his wife practiced uh, satanic Uh, Rituals in the home, uh, even to the point they had a big pentagram under a bed on the second floor. And um, he was divorced and remarried, and and years later, uh, the new wife was being severely. Attacked by whatever was still there, so um, you know. And he he claims he was not involved in any of that, and that was part of why he got divorced. He wanted to get away from that. But um, whatever they seemed to pull in seemed to have remained there and was attacking attacking someone new. But also, uh, I've heard a lot of people you know refer to him as you know these are that person's own particular demons, and wherever they go, it seems to go. And you check back at the last residence and they have nothing going on there. So, you know, to me, it almost seems to be, to be both. It could follow someone and, and is directly related to just that person, or it, it could stay manifest in, in, a home where it was called to.
3: I think that I would agree with that. Uh, I, uh, I think that there are probably no rules. I think that <laughs> there's nothing standardized about what we do. <laughs> um, that it's probably very highly individualized depending upon the environment, depending upon the chemistry of the individuals in the environment and the, the type and degree of power of the energy that they're dealing with. You know, I mean, I have gone into places where I have um, seen, seen quote-unquote imps just scatter to the four corners of the room when I walk in, because they know who I'm there representing, um, I see, I equate them more like the nuisance of a gnat or a mosquito, as opposed to um, having cleared a very old house and being in the basement um, in a prayer circle with my back to uh, a dirt room that was not lit and feeling something absolutely monstrous in size um, rising up behind me. (laughs) Hmm. Um, So I I think it runs the gamut.
2: Yeah, that's uh, kind of the uncomfortable feeling nobody wants to have even going out investigating. But uh, um, I'm not sure how to pose this question here but uh, let me ask it to you this way. Are there cases or, or do you believe that People can make changes in their life which would spontaneously cause demons to go away, or does it take some si- sort of outside assistance to do that?
3: Well, I believe I'm probably living proof of that. So, absolutely. Uh, I believe that if you invest time and effort, and I, I'd like to think I've laid this out for folks in the book. Also, uh, if you've invested time and effort into becoming an improved version of your old self, um, that you are manifesting with greater authenticity the, the truth of your personhood, and you begin to do what you are, then you create less and less room for any negative energy to to have you on tender hooks, so to speak. And that becomes replaced by positive energy that begins to fill a spiritual reserve within yourself. So it's like putting money in the bank that you can draw against when you're feeling weak or when you're feeling vulnerable.
2: And I think it was laid out in the book, pretty good. And, uh, you know, one way that I often uh, think about that is, and when talking with people kind of, you know, some say it in these terms where, um, you know, there would be a negative energy attached or attracted to you for a particular reason, whatever that is, that, uh, um, you know, you open the door or just, you know, you, you're, you have a low vibration at that time. But, if you make these life changes and you are able to raise your own personal vibration, um, you know negative stuff doesn't like that good feeling vibration. it doesn't like the light and higher frequencies and would probably like a, you know a, a bright light push it push it back. it doesn't like that feeling and would often go away and I mean that might be the simplistic terms of looking at it, but that's kind of how I've explained it before.
3: Mm -hmm. I think that we also need to recognize that, in in my opinion and in my experience, that there is a direct correlation between uh, mental illness and people who are under spiritual siege.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing that I will absolutely say, and, and we get this question all the time. And you know, I apologize for putting it in these terms, but this is how the question comes in. People will say, "You guys get a lot of requests. What do you do with the crazy people? How do you know you know they're not just crazy?" Well, I can tell you firsthand that people who do have some kind of emotional, psychological, psychological disorders can sometimes. Pull in the worst things and, and we've seen it firsthand and and we had two people on our team that were attacked during one of these cases and uh they're they're very tough cases to work because there is a psychological and emotional issue that also needs to be taken care of as well as the, the spiritual issue that you're dealing with but uh um do you, do you care to elaborate a little bit more on that
3: Well, you know, I've worked on the periphery of the mental health field for almost 30 years now. Um, And so, uh, you know, I recognize symptomology. Um, I know diagnoses, um, and I think that, um, you know, even in its most subtle form, you know, depression can be uh, a dangerous place to be. Um, I've been there, done that. In in my darkest hour, I came just inches from slashing my own wrists as a teenager um, during the time that I was enduring some pretty awful stuff. So I, I know of what I speak, um, and again, that's been uh, a useful tool to me and recognizing it in other people. But you know the initiative for change here has got to come from within. Um, you, it is not acceptable for folks to play the victim card, and it's not acceptable for folks to um, have a dependency on a third party to come in and make it all better for them uh, because because as we've seen, um, time and time again, you know, folks will call a rabbi or a priest or a shaman or you know, a neighbor who knows about these things to come in to clear the house for them, and things are fine for a week or two, and then it's right back where it started. Um, So my protocol when I go in to do this work is, uh, no, you're going to be present and you're going to be an active participant in the house clearing because you live here. I don't. It is your home.
2: And I'm so glad you said that because, you know, out of hundreds of cases over and over again, that's what we find a lot of times. People don't want to invest a whole lot of effort on their own part and just want the quick fix. They want somebody to come in and, and get rid of stuff. Sometimes it can be done that way. Other times it, it could take, you know, months or even years to to get the activity to completely stop. And uh, it's a, a lot of... Uh, you know, It's a big investment on the, the part of the, the victim to um, really put forth the effort to, to change themselves as well and, and help the situation. But, uh, William, I'm going to ask you to hang on. We have to take another commercial break. But when we come back, I want to sort of uh, flip the, uh, the table a little bit and talk about the light side because not all ghosts are bad. So let's talk about them a little bit, too. So hang out with us here. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WILK. We'll be right back.
4: Hello there, Elmer here. Sandra, the lady from Fashion Hunts Magazine, told me she still needs a few more girls for this fashion show. If you're a girl between 18 and 24 years old, this is your chance. Go to our website for information on how to contact her. www.eastcoastparacon.com The fashion show will be at the East Coast Paracon and is free to the public at 1 o'clock on the mall stage. Seems to be if you're under 18 or over 24 or not a girl, you're not going to walk on that stage. Guess you'll have to sit with me, Joe, and Stan in the audience. See you soon.
1: Warning. This program may contain material that is controversial to some listeners. Spontaneous enlightenment may occur.
2: And welcome back. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WYLK, and we're speaking with psychic William Stillman about his new book, Under Spiritual Siege, How Ghosts and Demons Affect Us and How to Combat Them. William, where could people go to, to find your book and learn a little bit more about it?
3: Um, I think that your, your favorite bookstore should have it. Um, I know that on Amazon.com right now, it's a little over $13, and it's a, it's a hardcover book. Um, so uh, I, I think you know the typical resources that people would go to for their reading material...
2: And it's a beautiful cover. I've actually uh, posted it on our Paranormal Science Facebook page, so you could jump on there and take a look. And uh, we did a a case on Friday night where the client was going out Saturday to look for your book in the bookstore. If not, she was jumping on Amazon. So uh, we got somebody uh, checking it out already. But like I said, it's a wonderful book for anybody, but uh, especially those people who are going through something or have just recently gone through something, how to proceed after a
3: case. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, I think we need to be really clear here that we're talking about recruitment for an agenda of destruction. And what I really wanted to lay forth in this book was a sense of empowerment that, yes, you can reclaim control of your life and your family and your living environment.
2: Absolutely. And uh, again, it's a whole team effort. And, uh, you know, we've said this to... Families before too, um, you know, if you have one person there undermining what everybody else is trying to do, that could that could cause problems as well. So, you know, we recommend the whole family jumping in and. Uh Helping out when there's a situation like this, especially a negative situation, um, you know. Yes,
3: you I, don't I you know it. I don't want to sound pessimistic about anything because um, in the inst- I'm sure you've experienced this as well. In the instances where people do commit and they do follow through on the advisements that you give them, it gets better.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd like to jump a little bit. Uh, To a more positive side of the paranormal, um, dealing with uh, spirit guides and angels. And um, let's say someone wants to start to connect uh, with a spirit guide or an angel. What are the first steps that they should take to to go in that direction?
3: Yes. I don't have a lot of experience with angels, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know a whole lot about them. I don't see them very often when I'm doing readings for clients. When I do see them, uh, they appear to me as an enormous column of golden light, a dead center directly behind someone. Um, okay. To connect with a spirit guide, um, I, I think first you need to be of sound mind and body, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I think that you, you really need to be at a point in your life where you feel that you are um, well and that your um, physical, mental, and spiritual hygiene is optimal, Um, And the reason why I'm stressing that is because otherwise, if you don't go about this properly, in my opinion, you run the risk of, again, something negative, seizing advantage of this and and swooping in and masquerading as something that it's not. And this has happened to people before. Um, So I I put that precaution out there. Uh, Otherwise, you know, it's sort of like using a a Ouija board and, you know, you're going to get what you get and not everything that you get is authentic. Authentic. Um, but there, there is a protocol that I do put forth for readers in the book about um, how to engage with your spirit guide. For those who are unaware, a spirit guide is a formerly human soul, um, most often not known to us in this lifetime, that has been assigned to us prior to our incarnating in this lifetime. We all have at least one, and the Spirit Guide is um, an ambassador on behalf of all that is right and true and good and kind that desires to be our uh, spiritual ally, to impress inspiration within us, to direct our attention to the people and opportunities that will advance us and to keep us on the straight and narrow path, sort of like a glorified uh, Jiminy Cricket.
2: And so, everybody has a spirit guide, whether they know it or not, even though some people might think they they have the worst lot in life right now, they're they're still there with us, and they're there to offer guidance?
3: Um, Yes, uh, but in my experience, like angels, uh, the spirit guides will not be intrusive except in instances of dire emergency.
2: Now you talk about this a little bit in your book, and uh, I, I'm curious. You do gallery style readings, and, and you also, uh, you know, meet with a lot of people and, and do readings um, in person. So sometimes you may connect with a ghost during these readings, but. Typically, you would pull through what most people are familiar with uh, in a gallery reading. You, you connect with deceased loved ones who have crossed over properly. Can you tell right away uh, if it's a ghost you're dealing with or, or someone who's come through who's crossed over properly?
3: Yes. <laughs> yes, immediately. Um, and the, the reason why I can say that is because um, a loving presence will only ever be a loving presence. Um, so what that means is, in the example you gave, a deceased loved one that has passed on and is successfully transitioned, and they are in the heavenly realm where they should be, would never, for example, curse in anger. Um, they might curse in a playful or joking manner as an indicator of their personality to validate that's part of their personality. But they're not going to curse and swear in anger or condemnation. Um, the, the loved ones uh, who where they should be will will have loving messages I mean, just exactly what you would expect you know um, thank you for all that you've done for me um, d- don't worry about uh, disposing of my possessions it's not a big deal remember the time when this happened those kinds of things um, in the times that I've had a ghost come through and I do allow for it because I, I have great compassion for them actually um, they they've had a very specific, highly personal egocentric agenda.
2: Yeah, and and, uh, you know, I I often uh, tell people about ghosts. Um, They have... They've stayed around because of some kind of emotional trauma or psychological issue, or there's always something that holds them here. And, and uh, you know, this, I, I gather a lot of this through working with uh, psychic mediums. That's who give me the info. But I've got a background in psychology and in watch people. That's sort of my job as well. I, I watch people and I listen. And, um, you know, they've all got some type of problem. And, and most mediums I've worked with believe that... Um, you know even when you die you still have free will and, and something keeps them here and there's usually something that they, they you know a lot of people say it's unresolved issues or whatever but it, it may be you know all kinds of issues not necessarily unresolved but um, and, and I appreciate the fact that that you feel very compassionately towards uh, you know these lost souls because they do need help but uh, is it sometimes difficult to deal with them?
3: Um, you know I've I've usually been able to wear them down uh, because as I said earlier, they, they have been human or they believe they are still human and so you can rationalize with them. Um, there's just a way that you have to go about it where um, ideally they come around to understanding it themselves and they arrive at that realization that, hey, um... There's a reason why I've lost track of time. There's a reason why I can't remember having used the bathroom in a long time or eaten the meal in a long time, or um, no one seems to be able to hear me. Um, And and it's just a matter of helping them to connect the dots. Ultimately, that's the best-case scenario.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, comes to mind uh, where you said, uh, why can't they hear me? Um, Is there a certain amount of confusion when... Uh, say they, they used to live in a home that they, they died and now they still inhabit that same home but a new family moves in there and uh, are they sort of just living in their own space? like uh, The way I often put it is if you're going through a really crazy, vivid dream and let's say you're you're in a flying car, you're not questioning that during the dream but you wake up and you're like, wow, that, w- that was really crazy. Do, do people get locked into that kind of mindset when they well, die? Well, you
3: know, um, when, when I was reclaiming my, my personal spiritual gifts and talents, um, I was working very closely with a spirit guide, and I was being mentored or tutored in, in what felt like um, almost nightly dreams. And one of the opportunities that was extremely vivid that I was presented with in the context of a dream was I was given the chance to feel what it was to be a ghost. And um, that was extremely useful as a a learning and teaching tool for me. What I can tell you is that it is so close to being human. It is just one degree shy of being human, and yet with the caveat of uh, you, you – you lose track of time, there's sort of a gray haze around you. Um, you. You can be where you want to be just by thinking of it, because it's a mental state of being and not a physical state of being, and um, as, we, as we said previously, it, it, it is not without um, being able to uh, assist and support and facilitating a process of proper transition.
1: Bill. Um A lot of psychics, I understand, that when they go into a home, well, you just mentioned, like, the spirits. They uh, try to communicate, nobody hears them. But when a psychic comes in there, it's like, are all these spirits drawn to that person? Because now they realize, there's somebody that can hear me. And I hear from different psychics, sometimes they're overwhelmed. For instance, they go to Gettysburg. They just, you know, everything comes at them all at once. Is this like, uh, are you like a lightning rod attracting spirits?
3: Well, uh, I... I I am not turned on 24 7, and I don't think anyone who does this work should be because I think that it would be um, really detrimental to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So when I do my work, I, um, in advance, deliberately enter into uh, a prep time for about an hour in advance. But uh, to answer your question, Stan, there have been occasions when I have been doing uh, gallery type readings where there's a room full of people and someone will come through um to communicate to someone in the audience who doesn't have a direct connection with their loved ones but knows how to connect with their loved ones. Um, for example, and this is actually in one of my YouTube videos, um, I was doing um, a gallery in the Allentown area and a little fellow with autism came through um, and was talking to a family in the room who have a son with autism, um, but this little kid had been in the car with me on the drive up and he wanted them to get a message to his parents, and they had those connections, so it was really fascinating.
2: Now, since you uh, you brought up autism, it, it reminds me of, uh, we, we've had three cases over the course of, I don't know, the last five years where parents with autism very uh, low-functioning autistic kids. Uh, would be in one room and they have claimed that they've actually seen the child in a different room. And when they go to look, the child is still there uh, in one instance, playing a video game like he does every day. Um, are there instances or would that be something more of a demon or, or like a, a projection from the autistic child?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that we have time to get into it here and now, but I do talk about that in one of my, um autism and the God connection books about the concept of, um, by location and how, um, that is not unusual in some instances.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the v- Virginia, the, the, medium that we had out on these cases, um, said exactly that. It was, uh, that, that person projecting himself out of body and that's what the person was seeing. But, uh, that's three times, um, in a matter of, like I said, about five years that we've had cases like that. But, uh, some very interesting reading there too uh uh with the uh, the autistic kids and uh the schizophrenia is just a a marvel to me as well and how connected some of them can be spiritually
3: yeah i really think i think it's important though to make the distinction that um, autism is not a mental health disorder it's uh It's a a neurological difference. And
2: and quite a marvel in itself. And uh, William, the music's playing, which means we're out of time, unfortunately. I had so many more questions, but uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you so much for coming on the show with us tonight.
3: It was a great pleasure. Thanks, fellas.
2: So the book is Under Spiritual Siege, How Ghosts and Demons Affect Us and How to Combat Them. Check it out on Amazon, and you can check out uh, William Stillman uh, on his page. Uh, I think it's williamstillman.com. So that's it for us tonight. I'm Mark Kyes. And I'm Stan Zurich. Have a good night. And sleep tight.
0: <laughs> spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?